You're listening to another great podcast in the Stoplight Network. And welcome to episode 43 of Three Geeky Ladies. I'm Elisa Paselli, and with me today are Vicki Stokes. Hi. And Suze Gilbert. Hi, everyone. How is everyone this fine 2014 day? Excellent. Vicky, Vicky, are you Vicky's, okay? Yeah. I don't know. Did you party too caught. much? <clears throat> my throat I, yeah. I think, I think Vicky had a very happy new year. <laughs> And we hope all of you listening had a wonderful holiday season, whatever it is that you celebrate, and that you had a safe New Year's Eve, and that you have a happy, healthy, and safe 2014. And we wanted to start this year talking about the Mac, the iPhone, and the iPad, and accessibility. And Suze, did you want to get started with that? Of course. Why am I always the one to start? You get to start. Well... Um, there's actually, if anybody has downloaded, which everyone should have by now, is the new iOS 7. If you haven't, um, then you'll be stuck with the, more or less the old accessibility features. But what's really nice about the new accessibility features, which the one thing that I think is very cool is uh, being able to control your type, your dynamic type. And this is really good for people that, like perhaps me, that I have to wear readers, and sometimes I don't have my readers with me, and I really struggle with that. So basically, um, you can go into your settings app, the iOS 7 settings, and you can go under general, and you can select text size. So you can have, there's a slider that will come up for your dynamic type, and you can change that from maybe you have it um, like close to the middle for your email and your text type and you can change that to larger so that's really nice if you don't if you're without your glasses or if you have vision problems and that I really like to have you know to be able to to change that and also um, you can also have bold text there's a whole bunch of accessibility features for vision and you're able to have voiceover, so you you can have your emails read to you. Siri will e- read your emails. Well, she'll do that anyway if you enact if you enable Siri and ask her to read your e- last email to you. But your text, um, you can also change it into bold text and increase your contrast. And the, for the parallax, you, I know that sometimes people get a little dizzy. Um, you know, or get headaches with a parallax, um, which basically what parallax is, is that if you were looking at your screen and you'll see that when you move your phone, the icons move, you can change that so you don't have that on. And so I think for me, I really like the dynamic type. And the other thing that I really like as far as one of the accessibility features that I'll um, want to talk about a little later is the switches is the, to be able to use um, a switch and able to um, you know if you want to uh, a switch for instance like if you held your if you enabled your phone to go up to your ear and it enable Siri then basically you can create switches to do other things um, by moving your head like your left <coughs> head movement when you put your phone up it'll go to your home button. So I, I just think that is a, a really cool feature for people that might need those switches. I've had a hard time getting that enabled, though, on my phone. So that's why I have to wait to talk about that. <laughs> well, underneath that, the physical and motor, where it says switch control, is something called assistive touch. Yes. And if you turn that on, what ends up happening is you get this little um, this little square with a white circle on it. And you can move it all all around just with your finger. It moves all around. But if you touch it, it brings up Siri, favorites, home, and device. And if you push the, touch the word device, what comes up is you can lock your screen, rotate your screen, mute the phone, change the volume up and down, or you can click the more button. 
and then that will show you what the different gestures are. Multitasking, it can take a screenshot of the current thing that you're looking at underneath the phone. And then you can just hit the arrow button to keep going backward. You can also have some favorites, so you can drag some apps into those favorites. Or if you're not on your home page, if you just click on the home, it brings you back to the home page. So that's great for people that maybe have a hard time being able to see where the different apps are. My, and the way I found that is a friend of mine last year, on New Year's Day, actually, we went out and we I helped her buy an iPad, and she loved it so much, she went and she bought an iPhone 5. And she showed me the phone, and I saw this little white button, and I thought, that must be a new feature of the iPhone 5. I had no idea until months later that it was something with inaccessibility. And when I told her about that, I said to her, you know, this, this is an accessibility feature. It's not something that you need to keep on your phone right now. And she said, oh, I love it. I use it every time I use my phone. So she left it alone. Oh, that's really neat. Yeah. So that's a good way. I think that's, that was, a, you know, a, a, an easy way for, for people to get to the apps that they need to get to quickly and easily. Yeah, because with the switches, you know, what I liked about this, to be able to have switch control is that if I moved my head, it would enable the camera, you know, because I mean, yes, the camera icon is on, excuse me, your lock screen, but how neat is it just to be able to hold your phone up and move your head and then it, you know, enables the camera. But for some reason, I have not been able to set that up for myself. So I know that probably I'm not being patient enough and you know, doing it correctly. I have to have like a walkthrough because whenever I enable a switch, all that I have, if I, ha- if I, you know, do like with the camera, I select the camera and the left head movement, then what happens in my settings, I just have this blue box that continues to scroll down. So I, I don't know, I've tried several times to enable that switch and I have not had any luck doing it. So it's me. I don't think it's the device. I, I believe it's me. Vicki? Okay, um, my app is going to a different uh, area. Uh, this is for um, the um, sight impaired, uh, for people that need um, Braille um, to write and communicate. I, I don't know if you know, but <clears throat> if I mentioned before, but I, uh, when I first got out of college, I actually taught special education, what they call uh, special education kids. And I, I spent a lot of time with kids that are blind. Um, and I was amazed at how quickly they, they did their Braille and flawlessly with very few mistakes. And they could talk and play games with each other and do their work at the same time, which is irritating because the room was very, very noisy. Um, but I, I just found it very fascinating. And I always wanted to learn Braille. Uh, well, it's this app called Braille Touch. And it's actually a good tool for students and teachers who want to learn Braille um, and it's also an excellent tool for people who know Braille and need to use it for communication. Um, what's great about it is that the layout of it, you can turn it sideways in landscape mode and, and it actually has the, the same keyboard layout that they, they normally have in the Braille cell, which is what they call it. And um, it uh, allow. I mean, it's it's a little different. It's not like traditional. Uh, they have this six keyboard uh, um, called the Perkins Brailler. It's a little different in regards to that, but it's very easy for them to turn sideways. And because you got to realize they can't see, it has to be in the right um, format. And especially where you have to uh, hold the phone so that it simulates where those keys would be. Um, and they thought about all that. Uh, well, another good thing about it is as you type the the keys, you get a audio, so you know that you, you, you if you type an A, that then uh, that's that's what you uh, uh, that's what the audio would would communicate to you. So it's that's a really good tool for people who are trying to learn Braille. You can download it for free for it's a trial version of it, but it's the the full version is $19.99. It's a sort of pricey, but I think this is a one-time deal. You will buy this and. I don't think you really need to use it for anything else. What, what's really great about it is you can copy and paste whatever you typed in Braille and put it into other applications so you can text and do all kinds of things with it. Um, it's pretty cool. Uh, it's about Braille tech and it's compatible with iOS 5 or later and iPhone, iPad, and iPod Touch. And it's optimized for the iPhone 5. Now, 
I'm not visually impaired, but one of the problems that I have sometimes, and I'm sure others do too, is I can't find the mouse pointer. <laughs> it doesn't happen. It doesn't happen so much on my current Mac Pro, um, my MacBook Pro with Mavericks, but it would happen all the time on previous computers, where I have the mouse and I'd be moving it all around and it was gone. I couldn't. I couldn't find the pointer. So what I have for that to to help me with that is something called Mouse Locator. Now, this is an application. Actually, it's not really. It's a utility that you put in your system preferences. It's free. It has not been developed in probably six years, to be honest, and it requires Mac OS 10.4. So that's how old it is. But it does one thing, and it does one thing great. You shake the mouse after you haven't used your computer for a few minutes, and you can go into the system preference and set the time of how long you want it to be uh, idle before it, it, it pops up. And what happens is you get this green circle that shows you exactly where your mouse is. And that's all it does. But if you can't find your mouse, this is what to get. It's like I said, it's free. You put it as a system preference, and you don't have to say, where the heck did it go? Suzanne? Well, you know, I used to work with, when I was a nurse I, uh, in Maine for a while, I worked with um, disabled kids. A lot of the children had cerebral palsy or some type of traumatic brain injury. And I remember when I was looking at accessibility when iOS 7 first arrived um, on the scene, and I thought, how cool would it have been to have all these features in some type of device for these kids? And I think parents, you know, that are dealing with, you know, trying to get their child, you know, to be able to use a tablet or their phone, but I would think a tablet would be great for them. I just think this is really great because these, all these accessibility features, like inverting the colors to make it easier for the kids to read, or adults, <laughs> but also to be able to have all these guided access uh, features that they have with adaptive devices, I think it's going to be a wonderful thing for them. I think also if you look at the accessibility, if you go into iOS 7 and you look at all these accessibility features, like with the subtitles and captioning, um, I probably will eventually need those myself with some of the subtitles. But I like the fact that you can change the audio volume. I have, um, I was telling Elisa and Vicky that because of all the rock concerts I used to go to, I have tinnitus in my ears and I do have problems hearing. Uh, as I get older, I have some low-level hearing loss. So being able, I hear better in one ear than the other, and it's really nice for me because I can adjust the audio volume balance, you know, between my good ear and my bad ear. And I just think that's really nice when I'm listening or watching movies on my iPad or listening to music on my iPhone. But some of the other things that I think is... I think Siri, I think they really improved Siri, really, um, they did a little, she's far from perfect, but I think the features that you can ask her are really great, especially texting. I really love the fact that I can do pretty much hands-on, or hands-off, I should say, uh, text, not that I do it when I'm driving, but I can basically hold the phone and say, you know, send a text to whomever, and it texts and it sends it. And I think that's really good for people um, that have, you know, you know, problems typing. You know, the thing is, is that with the iPhone, when you're texting, the keyboard, of course, is a touch keyboard. And if you have big fingers, even if you try to text sideways, it makes it difficult. But there's that little, there's the little microphone near the space bar that you can basically dictate your text. So that's really nice. And I think, you know, if more people did that, especially when they were driving, we'd have perhaps better drivers on the road, at least in Dallas, because everybody's texting and driving. And another feature that people may not realize with Siri is that if you don't like listening to the female voice, you can go under your general settings and you can change her voice to a male. So you can have a male Siri voice if you'd like. So yep. you can change that gender. Yep, I've done that. Yeah, and she, you can tell her now too when she's pronouncing something incorrectly. 
you know, you can say, no, that's not how you pronounce that. And she'll say, how do you want me to pronounce it? And you can say the correct version of how you want a word or a name pronounced, especially in your contact. So that's really nice as well. Okay. Mine is the mouth stick stylus. Um, this stylus uh, is not for you, Suze. It's for people with <laughs> disabilities who, who don't have the use of their hands. Um, um, and um, mm -hmm. it's a Griffin uh, product. It's $29.99. And it's a capacitive touchscreen stylus. So for, for um, it's, it's supposed to be designed so that it's comfortable uh, and, and it doesn't cry, require any, um, doesn't cause any fatigue uh, on the mouth when they're actually trying to grip the, the stylus to, uh, to use it. Um, I, of course, I would know if this works properly, but I saw this and I thought, this is an ideal uh, product for people who uh, don't have the use of their hands and they need to use an iPad or any of those mobile devices. $29.99, in my opinion, is not that expensive for a stylus for somebody who uh, has very few uh, mobile uh, hand capabilities. But um, it looks pretty simple, easy to use. I didn't see any reviews on it, so I can't really tell uh, if it functions as properly as, as, as uh, uh, shown. Uh, I do know that one uh, one of my supervisors used to was was paralyzed and used something very similar. I don't know if it was a Griffin, but um, he was able to use it on a special keypad that he had attached to his PC and uh, typed very quickly, was able to get things done um, using that, that kind of device. That's what was one of the really interesting things about working at, uh, the, uh, I used to work at Wells Fargo. We had people with all kinds of disabilities, some with sight, sight issues, some um, hearing issues, and the accommodation products that they had available were unbelievable. Um, and these people were just as productive as, uh, as normal, and quote unquote, normal people. Um, it's um, an interesting product. Well, there are some people who can't communicate very well. They can't speak or they have um, unclear speech. They might have had a traumatic brain injury or possibly um, autistic or some sort of issue where, like I said, they, they are unable to speak or communicate very well through their voice. And one thing that they could try is something called the Grid Player. It is designed for the iPhone and the iPad, and it's totally free. And what it does is it has different blocks of, of words, and you would just touch each of the blocks to get to communicate what it is that you wanted to say. So there's one block that says, I need. So you would click on the I need, and then it has a, uh, a group of different symbols next to it. I need a cup, or I need to get dressed, or I need to go outside. And you would just click the appropriate square in order, and it will read out the sentence. It also has things for Feelings. So if you're saying I'm feeling happy, you can click on the feelings and then choose the one that says happy or I'm sad or I'm scared. Uh, it's got pictures that represent snacks or drinks or clothes or colors, actions like I want to go for a walk or I want to go to sleep, things that you would do at home. So it has all different kinds of symbols to represent emotions and food and objects. And everything that you choose will read back to you. Will Read, be read out loud so that you can communicate to a parent or a teacher. Plus, it also can help with word recognition so the person can learn, if it's a young child, can learn how to read. It has male and female voices. It does have prediction, prediction like uh, when you text, it predicts what you want to say. It has 2,000 unique words in 50 topics. It has over 1,000 pictures in 42 different categories. So I think this is a, a good way for someone who has a trouble verbally communicating to be able to let somebody know what it is they want to say. And it's totally free. And what is this one called again? This one's called Grid Player, G-R-I-D, Player. And it's by Sensory Software International. And I think it's good for, for like I said, anybody who 
is having a problem speaking, whether it's a young child or an adult who's maybe recovering from a stroke or some sort of brain injury. Well, that's that's the thing, uh, Elisa, is, you know, again, with stroke patients, if you, it depends, of course, on what side they, of the brain they've had the stroke on. But, you know, many times patients experience aphasia, which means they have an inability um, to speak or to communicate. They, they know what they want to say, and it's so frustrating. It's so frustrating for post-stroke patients um, not to be able to communicate. And it used to be we you would have to bring in these big word boards that, occupational therapists used to um, bring in for us to help communicate, you know, whether they wanted, they were feeling pain or, you know, they wanted water. What's, there's several apps um, that if you, if people want to look up the strokefoundation.com that they recommend, and one of them, like Elisa was saying, uh, is a communication app, and this one is strictly just words. And it's called Verbally, and it's a free app. Of course, if you want to upgrade to Verbally Pro, it's it's expensive. It's like ninety nine ninety nine, but uh, it does have some very good ratings. You can type in the word that you want, or the pa- the person that wants to communicate can type in the uh, um, the word that they want. But what's nice is they have words and they have phrases for people to be able to select what they want to you know to say. And it also has voices, um, so again, male or female, and they can communicate that way. And I think when you're when you're communicating, it's n- not just you know for stroke patients, anybody that's had any type of you know traumatic brain injury, and they want to be able to you know communicate. I think these apps are just great, and to be able to use them on the iPad is just you know so helpful. So they can either point, they can type, or, and they can customize their voice on, on verbally. So, you know, again, I think with any of these apps, if you go to the Stroke Foundation, any type of, um, you know, if you have someone that is having difficulty communication, communicating doesn't mean necessarily they've had a stroke, but any of these apps that they recommend, it's the free ones are always worth trying out to see how they work before you, you know, decide to purchase them. Okay, um, my next one is Color Identifier um, by Green Guard Studios. It's a $4.99 app, and it's for the iPhone and iPad. Um, what this uh, product does is use your camera on your iPhone or iPad, um, or iPod Touch, that is. It will use the camera, and it can tell you what colors that you're seeing. And what's great about this is for the for people who are obviously who are color impaired is that uh, one of the uh, reviewers mentioned when they go shopping, he they would know what color the, the fruits or vegetables were, and it's very important in terms of if it's ripe or not. Um, and uh, being color impaired uh, uh, limits that ability um, to actually do something as simple as shopping in the grocery store, and and that's something I hadn't even thought about. It also um, it, it, can, it has different names that you can, it's, it can be a little game for uh, uh, kids and to play. Uh, my, ne- my nephew was playing around with it. It has uh, different ways of, um, you can uh, change the different colors and uh, it'll tell you what, what the name of the colors are, like daisy or lavender rose or whatever. Um, and um, for instance, he didn't know what magenta was. Um, and that was one of the things that we were playing around with that you could actually see what that color is because those, those are words that some you don't necessarily have a picture of to know what it is. Uh, and it's a fun game. Um, one of the things that is really cool about it is that when you're using, uh, if you're color impaired and you're taking photographs and you don't know what uh, color that is um, or that, okay, the ground is sort of, a, it's supposed to be green and it's sort of, brownish or whatever color uh, or muddied, it can actually give you a spectrum and give you a color ID so you know, well, this isn't quite right, and you can actually fix the pictures uh, and make it warmer or different colors. It's pretty cool. Um, I didn't try pulling photographs in it, but I know that anything that's that's pointed on the camera, uh, it will translate and tell you what color it is. that's very important. Uh, the color blindness obviously is not a women 
trait or female trait is, is male trait. Uh, but um, and I, I'm, I'm, fortunately, men don't care what color what magenta looks like. <laughs> but in terms of everyday life, you know, uh, it's very important for you to know. You know, you're shopping. You're you get on green pants and blue shirt, <laughs> and they, they're just off color. That's really a cool tool. Four ninety nine. Uh, it's not that expensive. Um, it's not a toy. I didn't see this as a toy. Though you can have fun playing with it. Um, it's it's a pretty useful uh, uh, utility. I'm just surprised that of the ability of the uh, of this thing. Um, you don't think about this taking a photo of something and then being able to break down the different colors in it using an application is way cool. Um, I just, it's, it brings out the geek in me. I'm sorry. Yes. <laughs> I'm not even real. That, that would get me into photographs if I could figure out how to play around with stuff like that. That's, that's, it's really a good, good product. It has pretty good reviews. Um, one, one person says that, yeah, as I mentioned before, that it's very important because when he went shopping, he wouldn't know what color the fruits were um, and if they were, you know, ripe or the right fruit to get. Um, that's something yet that only someone who was who had that disability would, would realize that it's important. Um, there's a lot of other applications. I had another one. I'm going to finish them. This is my last one, uh, Elisa. Um, there are a couple of other them for sign language. And I was going to mention mm. one of them, but I realized it was an American Sign Language, which is very important, the type of sign language. Um, but there are a lot of sign language applications out there. I'm playing around with a couple of them, and I'm not quite ready to uh, um, review them but because uh, I, I want to learn sign language, especially after that incident with, uh, <laughs> at the Medela uh, Memorial where the guy was just obviously not... Uh, oh gosh! Signing. That's quite embarrassing. Oh, that was terrible. Yeah. Oh my god! Even I, and I only know a little bit of sign language, and realized that this guy was not. And I was just shocked that no one pulled him aside. But um, it, there are tons of apps for sign language, and a lot of them that are awful. Some that are good, but there a lot of them that are not, we're very useful. So I didn't really want to pull out one because I hadn't reviewed them enough to know which one are good, but there are lots of them out there. I wonder the ones that a lot of people like is the one that Marley Matlin has. Uh, and I'm, that's the one, one of the ones I'm playing around with. So. If you're interested in listening to a podcast about accessibility, there is one that I came across called Maxessibility Podcast, which is the word accessibility with the M in front of it. And I will read you what it says on their page about, it says, Maccessibility is devoted to connecting, compiling, and providing easy access to the best resources for blind, visually impaired, and other disability groups using Apple products. It is maintained by a dedicated group of visually impaired volunteers who are Apple enthusiasts themselves. They've got a podcast. You can find it at maccessibility.net. And they are up to episode 49. And it looks like just based on their show notes, they talk about different apps and how to use the accessibility features mm -hmm. within it, such as this last episode, they talked about pages and a few other do it right app. And they you talk about software, hardware, and uh, just different things to help people that need the accessibility features in different apps and hardware, how to make it work for them. So that's an, uh, a podcast you might want to check out. Have, has any one of you used uh, voiceover in like the Kindle, the iPhone, or the iBook app? No, I haven't done either. Um, that is really wonderful for people who are, you know, uh, um, can't see or, or just can't read very well. It's a good a tool for them to learn how to read. Um, and I, I played around with it in my car because I sort of wanted to... Uh, I was almost finished with a book and I just started it and it worked fine. I thought, okay, it's going to cut out. It's not gonna... No, it kept going. And I was like, this is so cool. Um, and was this on I, iBooks? On I, iBooks? The speaking? Kindle and the iPhone. I, I, iBooks do it. Mm -hmm. Just start the speech thing and it just will read and keep going. And um, I just did, you can sort of even adjust uh, how fast they talk because sometimes it sounds so robotic, you can't really figure out what it's saying. 
but it uh I was just surprised that it worked in my car and I drove into work got the end finished the book you know because <laughs> it was just like a couple of chapters and I wanted to, to get to the end of it and it was just perfect uh but it's an excellent tool for people who I have issues reading. They're illiterate. And I also worked with Literacy Volunteers of America for a number of years. And you don't know how embarrassing it is for adults that don't know how to read. Oh, and now we I, got all these I can tools. Imagine. All yeah. these tools that are just make it so easy for you to learn. I mean, you, they don't want to read spot, uh, uh, run spot, spot, and, and catch the ball, Sally, that kind of stuff. That's for children. They actually want to be treated like adults. And this, these tools, they can help them themselves. They can just sit down and figure it out and, and learn on their own and get to a point where they can go get some help. Because that alone, it may not be very helpful. Um, they would really need to get some, some, some professional help if they're profoundly illiterate. You know, um, I, I, I um, love reading so much. It's just so much a part of me that I, it hurts me to know that there are people who can't enjoy this, who are adults and can't. They're functionally illiterate. You know, they can't even read a stop sign. They're just looking at shapes. It has no concept to them. And there are people out there like that. And there are help. There's help. And you can get it but beyond the shame of not being able to to, to read as an adult and, and move forward. But for some, you're going to have to get help. You're going to have to. It's a start. But you're going to need some help to get get uh, beyond that stage. So. And the voiceover, Vicki, um, that I'm, I'm looking at right now through the accessibility uh, portion of the general settings, a lot of these different features go very deep. It's not just simply switch a switch on or off. Mm-hmm. When you click on voiceover, you can adjust how fast or slow you want the person to, you know, the voice to read. It has hints. It has sound effects. It has pitch changes. It has languages and dialects. There's, there's a lot here. It's not just simply turn it on or turn it off. You can really mm-hmm. customize it for your particular way of, of what you need, of, what, of your kind of listening. And the yeah. same with, um, with the type. If you need something for, uh, like, like Suze was talking about earlier, for closed captioning or needing text, you can go in there and just change it to your heart's content. This there's is, a lot. It's not limited to iOS either. There's Android devices that do the same thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if you go into the subtitles and captioning, you can change yeah. the style. There's different styles. And then there's, uh, once you go into, let me see, you can create a new style with your own font, your own color, your own size, the background, the opacity. There's just, you can really customize this for what your particular needs happen to be. Yeah. And then the Mac and the, and the PC does the same thing. You can select phrases in a word, in, in a paragraph and have it read to you. So you can answer your emails. Um, then we have those, those are other applications that like Dragon uh, Speak. Dictation. Dictation, yeah, you can talk yeah. and it'll write it out for you. Uh, there's so many things, so many utilities. We didn't really get into the Mac, we did just iOS, but the PCs have had this for some time. Um, and iOS devices are, and the mobile devices are picking up on it. So this is fun. It's fun. It's a good time to be to, to be learning. <laughs> it is, but you know, I think another thing when we talk about accessibility um, is when you were talking about literacy, Vicky. And I agree. I can't imagine anything more um, difficult and humiliating for somebody, you know, when they struggle to read. But also, English as a second language. You know, we have a lot of, you know, we're yeah. lucky in the U.S. that we're a melting pot. And, you know, people struggle with the language. And I I can say that because sometimes I struggle with French when I'm over in France. But um, I've mentioned it before in this podcast, but if there are people that do have um, access to an iPhone that are are struggling with English or an iPad, there's a free app called Duolingo, and it does cover English. And that is a fabulous app that really, um, it starts you off with the basics, and it... And it goes right through, um, I would say, uh, lessons with more difficulty. So close to advanced. So I think that's a really great app. And also, I don't think we've discussed as far as disability, but um, people that are suffering or beginning um, in the early stages of dementia, Alzheimer's. 
And, you know, to have an app that, or to, excuse me, to have an iPad, I think it's really great for them because, you know, even simple games um, for people that are losing their memory, like, you know, I know they, people would say, well, they're kind of childish, but not really, you know, not when you are regressing as far as your memory, but, you know, like Fish Pond, that's, you know, very relaxing. It's simple. Um, there's a great app called I Create Pottery that I was addicted to, and that is really great because you create your own pottery. Just just for that interaction, you know, for memory games, there's also a fabulous app that I've been using lately called Luminosity, and I saw it on the TV, and it's about keeping your brain mentally active. And what you do is you start off with, it's it's some of it's like logic games, but it's supposed to increase your mental um, capacity and keep your brain you know, exercised. And they do have an app called Luminosity. They also have a website and it is a free app. So if people want to kind of exercise your brain, um, I would definitely recommend downloading Luminosity. And speaking of, of dementia patients, this isn't really accessibility, but just the fact that you've got the photos mm-hmm. on the iPad and the iPhone. Yes which can help them uh, remember family members, friends. Yes. You can make and use iBooks author or one of the other book creators to make a little book to say, you know, this is your daughter, Mary. This is your son, Steve. This is mm-hmm. your grandchild, Bob. Yeah. Absolutely. And because yeah. it's so sad. Why? I mean, one of my, one of my best friends lost her, her father a few years ago to Alzheimer's. And every time she went to see him, because he lived in a different state, he had no idea who she was. No. And, and, you know, some of those apps that they have for children, like identifying, um, you know, words with photographs or or Mm -hmm. pictures are really good for, especially Alzheimer's patients, because they lose that ability. And I know if you go on any of the websites like Alzheimer's, um, you know, the foundation, alzheimersfoundation.com, that they will have lists of iPad apps for people that are, you know, in with depending on the stage of Alzheimer's that they're in, apps that they recommend for that. And that's a really good point, Elisa. You know, just being able to continue to connect with your family, you know, with photographs. I mean, it's 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 really the, I think the iPad and the iPhone and all the, you know, the tablets are really good devices for keeping people mentally active being able to interact with what's around them and life around them, you know, to have this ability, you know, with all the accessibility features. And, um, you know, especially for people that are having memory loss, you know, it's, it's really great. And or like you said, Vicki, you know, with literacy, you know, how cool is it to be able to learn a language, you know, or, or learn to read in the privacy of your own home so you don't feel, um, you know, sometimes with classes, you know, if you get behind, you feel like, you know, you're, you're struggling. Mm-hmm. And this way you can do it at your own pace. So I, I think that's the ability that the iPad and the, uh, all the apps, they, they, they give us that. Yeah. Mentally, I feel slow today, I'm going to tell you. So <laughs> maybe I better get on luminosity because I feel like my brain is going faster than my mouth and I'm going ah a lot. So <laughs> maybe I need some more luminosity lessons here. But, you know, we also, I, when you talked about voiceover, audible.com, there's is a great oh, yeah. app too. You know, and that... Um, you know, you can buy books, you get points, and you can buy books with that, and you get a lot of free books. But that's really great to listen to. It's just a great way to, to audibly listen to a book. I am listening uh, to a book right now, and I don't particularly care for the narrator, but still, it's it's really good just to listen to a book on, on your yeah. iPhone. Yeah, it is. It is. I, I, I get a different enjoyment out of uh, reading than I do from listening, but... Um, sometimes the words are so beautiful. Writers are so great that just listening to somebody read it just adds a, just a different texture to it. It just it's a different experience. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I used to like Amy, and when I used to read Amy Tan, uh, her yeah, books, yeah. she would narrate her own books, and she she her her fluency with the language, how beautifully she writes, and with her Chinese accent, it just added to the whole. I, I yeah. preferred actually to listen to her books rather than read them because she brought so much into the books, you know. Yeah. Yeah. 
did the same thing with Jim Dale. He is a fabulous narrator, and he narrated all the Harry Potter books. And if you haven't listened to him, I highly recommend Jim Dale. Any, any book he narrates is just fabulous. That's one thing I've heard about Audible, is that you can search for a book based on a narrator. But oh, if there's a particular, nice. if there, but I, oh. I don't, I don't use that. That's what I've heard. Now maybe okay. it's, that's what I thought. That you know. So Suzanne, you said you like Jim Dale. So if I wanted yeah. to look for a book that he narrated, I can do a search based on his name and find all the books that he's narrated. Or on the other hand, if if I heard that you know, stay away from him. He's the worst narrator they've ever had. <laughs> I can also look up those books and say, okay, I don't want these books because he's the narrator. Oh, that's good to know. That's that's what I, I mean. I've, like I said, I don't use Audible, so I don't know that to be absolute gospel. But that's what I've just heard, that people, they, they not only review the book, but they can also review the narrator. Because there's been books that have been fabulous, but the narrating, not so much. Yeah. Yes. For whatever reason. You know, sometimes they're just very dry, very dull. They don't animate. Yeah, and Jim Dale animates. He has all the different voices, so it's... He really gets into each character, which is really nice. Yeah. But, yeah, what I'm reading now um, is a Neil deGrasse Tyson book on Audible. And the narrator mispronounces a lot of the scientific names, which Ooh. irritates me a little bit. Just oh a little goodness. bit. That is I know. That bad. irritates me. And I thought, well, maybe it's because, you know, is it his accent? But, no, he's mispronouncing some of them. And that is irritating. You know, because oh, to me, man. if you're going to... If you're going to narrate a book, you really need to know those scientific terms. You know, what is Neil deGrasse? I don't know because he is such a dynamic personality. Oh, really? Yeah. And yeah. he's got he's this wonderful, you know, just beautiful voice that I really thought for a minute I was getting him, and I was very disappointed because I I love watching him speak. I'm very excited about the new Cosmos, and he's yeah. going to be. Uh, hosting that. That's very exciting. Yeah. He, he's I mean, a pretty cool guy. Teachers like that, you know, unbelievable. You know, the kids would just, I think our world would be different if we had more teachers like that. This guy is. Fabulous. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He is. He's very confident with his knowledge. He absolutely, his passion is astrophysics. And he, but yet, he can basically take a very abstract idea, a very difficult idea, and bring it down to your level so you totally understand it. That that's that's a gift, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Not everybody that is um, that intelligent can do that. So yeah, not everybody can write a book. So <laughs> no, no, I know that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You read a lot of uh, nonfiction, though. So I would. I think if I, I would listen to Audible, I would really probably want to hear the person uh, that the book is about, you know, um, read it. I think that, to me, it adds something personal to it. You know, if, if I don't know, they don't do it. That, it's, I understand it's quite boring. So some people just yeah. don't want to do it. I love science and I really love science, you know, books based pretty much in medicine or biology. Those those are my, I really like reading a lot about that. Mm-hmm. Okay, anything else that you'd like to add about accessibility? I know we just touched the tip of the iceberg. Yeah. There's just so much more. Yeah. In, there's just so much that you could talk about with accessibility. Yeah. And some of the apps I didn't want to bring up because I hadn't tried them. And yes. I don't want to bring up something and, and, and then someone tries it and go, oh God, this is awful. Why did she even mention that one? Well, especially if you're paying yeah. money for it, at least if it's yeah. free, you know, yeah. you've just wasted a, you know, a, a few yeah. minutes, yeah, and, and a download, then you just delete. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I always go for the free versions of everything first, you right. know, because apps are getting more and more expensive, and there's more and more in-app purchases, which really kind of irritates me, I'm going to be honest yeah. with you. Yeah, yeah. You know, I don't, I don't mind supporting a developer if they have a really good app, but you know, it seems like they give you the free version, and and it's not just like two ninety nine. It's now going up to six ninety nine if you want all the features unlocked. Mm-hmm. You know, so I'm thinking, you know, if, if people buy a lot of apps, it's not like you buy an app once in a while. You know, I think people generally, but you know, I don't mind paying for a really good app. I really don't. But if I'm getting a little tired of just this these constant um, in-app purchases. You know, if you want, if you want like this filter or that filter, like with the photo apps, you know, it's nine ninety nine cents. Well, that's fine. But if there's twelve packs of filters, that's a twelve dollar app. Yeah. So 
just just you know. just charge me for what it's going to be right. worth, and I decide. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I like it the way it is on the Mac. You can download the, the trial version for 14 days, seven days, whatever the developer wants. And then either you have to pay for it through either an in-app purchase or you go back and you go to the website and you download the entire application and pay for it. Yeah. And that's, mm-hmm. the way the, that's the way it should be with the iPhone apps too and yeah. the iPad apps. Yeah. Download the light version. It works. It should be working in full and maybe have some way of self-destructing after seven days or 14 days. Then if you decide you want it, hit the in-bat purchase. Three ninety dollars $4.99. Yeah, I'm surprised at I the price for some of the very useful pro- uh, apps that we have and, and, and applications on the computer now for the Mac. They're, they're reasonably priced. Um, there are some that are extremely expensive, uh, but I don't know, they, they're for niche kind of thing. But by and large, I think the prices have come down. I remember paying hundreds of dollars for just a word processor, you know, and now it's down to something reasonable. So developers, you know, um, are probably feeling the pain. You know, it's not they're not getting as much revenue from one customer as they did before. But it's the access on the Mac now. There's tons of people that have Macs. So that that more than makes up for it, because back in those days, there were very few people with Macs. So, um, I don't know. If you have a good product, people buy it. You know, just make it reasonably priced. Yeah, but I totally agree with you, Suze. It's like, we need to have that free version at first. Because I downloaded yesterday. I probably downloaded five or six different types of packing apps. um, Just apps to make a list to pack when you're going on vacation. And they were horrible. Thank God they were free. They were horrible. <laughs> I would have been ticked if I just paid a dollar ninety nine for each of those because they were awful. You, yeah. They were they were difficult. They didn't make sense. I ended up delete, 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 delete. That's they because were awful. anybody can can develop an app, you know. <laughs> yeah, they were. Just and terrible. you know that, and that's the thing is, I think with some of these fly by night developers, they've been in the store for you know quite a long time. Is they're just you know some of them will. Maybe basically charge two ninety nine. You buy the app, and then they stop supporting it. Yeah. You know, they just say, "Well, okay," and they don't up. You know, they don't uh, don't yeah. update it to it's, it's the just, newest iOS, and you know, and it doesn't work. And basically, you can't use it anymore, or they don't just, make it high res. I refuse to buy any more low res um, photo apps because it's just not worth it. You know, it, it really isn't worth it at all. And I st- always stick by my. Um, you know, my real workhorses on my iPad as far as the photo editing apps, and that would be uh, Snapseed. And I it has received an update, so even though it was purchased, um, Nick Software uh, sold it to Google, or Google bought it from Nick Software, they have continued to update it, and that is an absolute great photo editing app, and it's free. And also um, Adobe Photoshop Touch. They finally, um, you know, really made it a pretty powerful app, and, and that one's pretty good, too. I do actually all the icons, mostly, in uh, Adobe Photoshop Touch. I don't use the iPhone version. I use the iPad version, and that's a, a $4.99 version. But at least they're continuing to pay attention to the app. And I think that's really important when you purchase an app, whether it's a game or a photo app or any type of app, you want to be, you want to continue to see it updated. If maybe not, you know, often, well, at least, you know, yearly that they're keeping up with the newest iOS. I think yeah. that's important. Yeah. Yeah, new features. Yeah, and if some, I mean, there's some developers, like, for instance, Pro Camera, which was a really great um, camera app. They came out with uh, Pro Camera 7, and they specifically designed it redesigned the whole entire app from the ground up to work with iOS 7 and they charged people again for it but you know I didn't mind paying for it because it was a completely redesigned app they added a lot to it and I do think we need to support developers I mean this is their bread and butter as well you know and if they're if it's a really good app and they they have a previous incarnation of an app that is good and they want to make a little money from redesigning it I don't have a problem with that you know, I just I just don't because they do have to support themselves if they're, you know, app designing. Hmm. And and the and the Rovio, you know, it's people like Rovio that created Angry Birds. Those are so few and far between. I think on the App Store, you just know you no one ever knows. It's so hit or miss if you're going to, um, you know, make it on the App Store or not. I do wish Apple would really delete the 
near near me or nearby the apps. I could care less what people are using. And instead, I really wish they would integrate release dates on apps. So the new apps come onto the app store and you see which ones are new. I have no way of knowing because now they just put the apps that are in the top sellers. But sometimes there's real sleeper apps that you never get to see and you have to hear about it through somebody in a real you know obscure review that this app is really great. So I just wish they would never mind about the apps near me and instead put the release date on apps. Put all the new apps right up there so at least you can, you know, test them out or buy them if you want or, or try them out. I have no way anymore because they don't offer that anymore with the release date. So that's my little spiel. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so we're going to wrap up this episode on accessibility and we'd love to hear what you think. Do you have any apps or websites that would be good for people who have accessibility issues or if you know of any hidden gems that are hidden? Uh, of course, hidden gems are hidden. Uh, okay, I think I need it was, luminosity. It was the champagne. Yeah, I think so. I think I need luminosity now. <laughs> if there's anything hidden within the accessibility menu that you think we should know and that other people should know about that we missed, please share it with us through our Facebook group or through our Twitter feed or on our Google Plus community. And all that information can be found on our website, which is 3geekyladies.com with the number three spelled out. And I want to thank you very much for listening. And we will talk to you again in a few weeks. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. about Nintendo? Well, check out the Nintendo Club podcast. This podcast is done twice a week. We dive into all things Nintendo. We dive into retro. We dive into current games, what we're playing, what cool Nintendo news is going on. Check it out here at the Spotlight Network, the Nintendo Club podcast. We broadcast this live out every Sunday evening starting at 8 p.m. Eastern. Check out the Nintendo Club podcast.com website for more information.